1: Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Tyson, my friend. I'm very excited. We have a very special guest on today's show, and I'm excited to introduce him to you. You guys just met off camera.
2: Yeah, I'm very excited about this. We've been watching your transformation, and we're going to get to talk to the guy that's behind that
1: transformation. So I'm pretty excited. I know that you've been really amped up about this for a while. Let me go ahead and give you a formal introduction. It's renowned weight loss coach, Charles D'Angelo. He's going to help you take charge of your life in 2023. He knows firsthand what it's like to feel stuck once weighing 360 pounds as a bullied teen. I'll pull up a photo in a minute of Charles from before and after. He took charge of his own life, dropped 160 pounds, and for the last two decades has been on a mission to help others reclaim theirs. His focus, change your mindset, and you can change your life. He's a best-selling author. Endorsed by the likes of President Bill Clinton, Richard Simmons, Angela Bassett, and our very own U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, that's who inspired me to reach out to Charles, along with a friend of mine who had worked with Charles and has kept her weight off for several years. Recently, actor and comedian Tom Arnold shared how Charles helped him lose 80 pounds all via Zoom. Charles will be featured with Tom in the January edition of Men's Health magazine. While he's not a doctor or therapist, scores of medical professionals from across the country credit him for helping them turn their lives around through his unique coaching program. Charles, welcome to the show. It's my pleasure, gentlemen. So, Charles,
2: I want to hear this story. So tell us the journey that you've taken to this point, because this is this is super exciting.
3: Yeah. So as a teenager, as Jim said, I was 360 pounds. Uh, Doing the simplest of things, getting up a flight of just four stairs was challenging for me. I had a size 54, 56 inch waist. I always felt like an outsider. I had a very difficult home life. My mother struggled with alcoholism and prescription drug addiction. My father was a very, very hardworking man. Both were both very well-intentioned people, but they both had their own issues. And so I was bred in a cauldron of difficulty and i could have been the king of excuses and when i hit 17 years old and i recognized that if my life was going to be different it was going to be because i was going to be different it wasn't going to be the circumstances were going to change or my mother was going to change or the neighborhood i lived in was going to be different it was going to be up to me only then did my life really start to change and i made it my mission one day at 17 years old after going to a gym and being turned away with cash. I went to a local gym. I'd saved up money I had to join an effort to make changes, thinking that the gym was a place to really take charge of the issues that I needed to address at that time, thinking that really it was it was changing my physiology that would change my life. I was turned away because I didn't have a credit card. And I went home and I fell into the bed, just totally upset and despairing not thinking that change was going to be possible because I, I had the courage to actually face my fear, go into a place I was afraid of being bullied and teased, and I was rejected in a sense. And I looked up at the ceiling, and tears started coming down my face and cheeks because I was so upset, I, I felt so lonely, I was just about to give up on my life. And I said to God that if he would just help me become what I call normal, I would commit my life to a life of service. And I never thought in my wildest dreams, that I would be used to help other people reclaim their health from their habits in the sense that I have these last two decades.
1: Charles, I know that when I reached out to you that I was feeling pretty desperate myself. And can you talk a little bit about what you're able to do with people when they come to you in such desperate straits and sort of how you help? It really is that mindset shift that we talked about in the introduction.
3: I think that the first thing a person has to do is recognize that their biography doesn't have to be their destiny that no matter what your history is, no matter what your heredity is, no matter what your background, what your limitations, uh, what challenges you've had, none of those things have to determine how today or tomorrow or next week is gonna look. Ultimately, your choices are gonna determine those things. But in order to start to shape yourself and shape your choices in a way that actually helps you move forward, you have to know what you're after. And so often we grow up in an environment of almost unconscious limitation whether they're things we pick up from our parents, things we pick up from our peers. Again, most of the people we spend time with as young people are very well-intentioned, but the things we grew up with leave an indelible imprint on us whether or not we're aware of it. So a lot of the work is recognizing what are those beliefs that you've been either consciously or unconsciously guiding your life by that have kept you from really maximizing your capacity to have the life you both desire and you deserve. So with a client like you, Jim, The first thing we need to sit down and look at is, what do you really want? And often when I ask a person this, they'll tell me what they don't want. I don't want to wake up and feel so lousy every day. I don't want to be afraid to be in a picture. I don't want to be afraid to present in front of a group of colleagues. So if you don't know, if you're listening to this and you don't know what you want, just ask yourself, what don't I want? And take the opposite of it. And once you get a really high resolution image of what you're after, really clear Really compelling, vivid image of the things that you want. The next step you need to think about is what are the reasons for those things? You know, the way is easy when you have a strong why. It's difficult to do things when you don't know why you're doing them. And so, having both the clear illustration of how magnificent, how awesome, how invigorating life can really be and feel, by having that picture of how it's going to be, independent of whatever you were told as a young person or whatever your environment made you believe was going to be your future, really expanding what you think is possible for yourself, expanding that vision. And when a person comes to me, I've spent a lot of time creating an environment in my offices that help people see beyond whatever their limitations might be. I mean, I was 360 pounds. You know, I came from a a very, very challenging background, family of very modest means. And I went on, as you said, to help lots of people and, and have lots of success. But the achievement isn't really what it's all about. It's really about finding meaning in your life, and that's where that why comes in. I mean, why is it that you want to change your life? And it can't just be, well, I want to, I want to fit into a smaller size pants. Because as you were talking about Jim, in one of the uh, podcasts I listened to that you and Tyson did, you know, this has been a, a struggle for you that you've wrestled with for a very, very long time, as it is for most people. Recidivism and weight loss is astronomical. What that means to a layperson is. Most people that lose the type of weight that Jim has lost in my program will go on to regain it all back within two years following disconnection from whatever the approach or program or coach that they're working with. So it's really a point of shifting your philosophy. Yes, you have to have a strategy. And I certainly give my clients a very precise, clear, well-defined a set of principles. Here's what you're supposed to do with food. Here's what you're going to do with exercise. So a person leaves every single meeting knowing exactly what to do with both food and exercise. But the glue that holds all that together is both a philosophy and a set of behaviors, kind of a momentum that is centered around moving towards what you want and moving away from the things that you really know that you want to stay away from. So Charles, like
2: all of that makes complete sense to me, right? Like I am one of those people that you, you give me a set of rules. I'm going to follow those rules. I'm going to stick to it. I know Jim is not always that way. Uh, mm-hmm. I, know, I know that Jim is like many, many people where like Jim's been dealing with weight issues this, as long as I've known him. It's been something for him. He's been working on it. it he's been dealing with it his entire life, but something has shifted. You have turned on a switch in him over the last, four months or so. uh, And you've done that with several other clients. Like giving the rules are one thing, but like getting them to shift gears is another thing. They've got to make their own decision to do that. So how are you able to be so effective at doing
3: that? Because I've never seen Jim so motivated before. So how have you done that? Well, first off, I appreciate, you know, the flattery, but it's not really necessary because it's absolutely the antithesis of what I strive to hear a client say. I don't want to be given that degree of credit because The reality is, while people offer me that type of validation all the time and that type of appreciation, uh, the reality is Jim has done the work. Jim made a decision to take full responsibility for his choices. And it's not so much, you know, how I turn that switch on. It's really about helping a person look at their weight, not as the problem. It certainly is a problem, as Jim has found it to be over his life. But I look at it as more a symptom. It is not the core issue. What's the core issue for most of us, regardless of whatever the presenting challenge is, it's really what it looks like loving ourselves. And I don't say that in a cliched sense. I mean, love is a verb. The way I define love would be paying attention to yourself, showing yourself appreciation, offering yourself a degree of acceptance of the things that as men and women, okay, but I I deal a lot with men that struggle with this specific issue, A lot of men unnecessarily carry around burdens of shame about sensitivity, about feeling afraid, about how to deal with their own sadness, because they grew up with a a concept or a construct of what a real man ought to be like. Hmm. That they have to have some type of archetypal definition that if they don't fit in, well, then they have something to be ashamed of or embarrassed about, or they're deficient or inadequate. And so a lot of what helps clients to make enormous progress is meeting with someone, whether it be me or someone else, who helps them better understand themselves in such a way that they no longer are unaccepting of themselves, that they recognize they're as human as the next person. And we all have our insecurities, we all have our frailties, but we all have our gifts and we all have our graces as well. So that acceptance is a big part of it. There's also an aspect of learning how to really Show yourself space for feelings, making allowance for whatever it is that you're feeling, not pushing it aside, not acting as if it's not there. So, when you do that, when you start to show yourself attention, appreciation, affection, acceptance, and you make room for your feelings, no longer do you find it necessary to turn to a substance, in Jim's case, uh, like food, or in my former case, to distract yourself, to console yourself, to almost create a straw man issue. You know, all of us use certain things to give us a sense of certainty. And food, for many people, unfortunately, provides them with that delusion that, well, I know when I eat that, it's going to change how I feel. The trouble is, the thought isn't complete. It changes how you feel, but at the sacrifice of the future you really want. And so by being mindful, by being much more conscious of what you want, and recognizing the things that you're going to need to do to close the gap between where you are and where you want to get there, you're much more likely to continually make progress. And once you start making progress, as you and I were talking about before we started this interview, once you start to get hooked on progress and you get out of that defeat world so many people find themselves in, you're hooked in a positive sense.
1: For those of you who haven't had the pleasure of visiting Charles's office, It's literally one of the coolest places I've ever been. It's in the basement of this building in South St. Louis. It doesn't look like much on the outside. But when you get into the office, there are pictures and posters and statues of all kinds of people that Charles has worked with. It's really, really inspiring. And Charles, I know that you've worked with a lot of physicians and that actually physicians have hired you to help them with weight loss. And I wonder, do you think that your experience as someone who was weighing 360 pounds gives you separate insights that they probably don't teach in medical
3: school. Well, I think that each of us, one of my my favorite ways of helping other helpers become more effective and more efficient and maximize their own set of gifts is, is recognizing, helping them recognize that they're best positioned to help the former version of themselves. Just like what you guys are doing. Think about it. What are you guys spending your time doing? You're trying to help other attorneys Maximize their practice. Well, who do you think you're really teaching? Well, you're learning as much as you're teaching. And who you're really teaching is the former version of who you were. I mean, you're trying to educate someone who's tuned into this right now uh, in an effort to expedite their progress and their process. You know, you're essentially collapsing what it might have taken each of you a decade to learn that they can learn in days. And so, yes, of course, my personal experience, you know, having once had the chance to be the king of excuses, gives me unique insight Mm. into both the suffering, but also the joy that comes with accepting full responsibility for your life. Giving up the hope, and this is a real mature spiritual path to take, giving up the hope that someone's going to start doing for you what only you ought to and can do for yourself. That's what real maturity looks like. That's what being a full adult looks like, is is recognizing I'm going to set aside blame I'm not going to blame my parents for the way my my life's turned out. It doesn't mean that in any way you're legitimatizing abuse or you're saying that, that trauma or anything, that was okay. No, it's not at all saying that. It's saying with all that being the case, all those things that have happened to me, the question you start to ask yourself as a healthy adult is, how am I going to move forward? You're no longer trying to change your past. You're saying yes to it. Yes, this happened. And given that, how am I going to move forward? Most of my clients' issues, Jim, aren't around the domain of competence. I deal with incredibly brilliant people, hmm. world-leading physicians, people who are high achievers. It's not about competency. It's about learning enough about themselves and their own patterns to be able to be consistent in doing what they know. You know, I'm not stepping over the line here because I listen to you talk about your process with me publicly. Uh, And you mentioned that you had started and then you found yourself falling back in old habits, Yep. but it wasn't long after, what did you decide to do? I came back. But what was it for you that made you decide you were worth it? That you decided I'm going to put myself first again. I'm not going to accept this as permanent defeat.
1: It was you in the back of my head and the things that you had said to me during our time together. And that was that I had lost my focus, that I was looking at outside straw men, as you said, and that I wasn't taking responsibility for myself.
3: In other words, that you had the power to change. For sure. And so I think that that's what makes a difference for people. It's, it's, there is no magic pill. There is no secret to this. It's it's really about being consistent as uh, it certainly doesn't sound sexy saying that. But the truth is, if you want change to happen, it's a result of small, good choices over time. And the reassuring part of that is, Failure is the same way. Failure isn't a person. Failure is an event. So when a person says, well, I'm a failure, no, you're not. Failure is an experience, and it's something that's caused by a series of choices. And if you don't want that to be the case, you need to make certain that you're much more conscious of the choices you're making. And if you need help with that, you seek out someone that can kind of, as I said, collapse the length of time it would take to learn and get the pattern and be held accountable to that. To close the gap between where you are and where you want to be, I'm loving all this.
2: Let me ask you something about negative self-talk and how much of this has to do with negative self-talk and changing that. Because I, I have, I have noticed some of the ways that Jim talks to himself and talks about himself, and it's, it's been much more positive over the last few uh, three to four or five months. Mm-hmm. And really, honestly, Jim, it will probably tell you he's had a a shift in his mindset over probably the last five, six years, just kind of the way he approaches things in general. He's much, much calmer person, but I haven't, I've noticed more positive self-talk. So how much of this has to do with some of that negative self-talk though?
3: A lot of it, because you have to think about what is it that influences your choices? It's not just what's available to you. I mean, we all have impulses every single day. None of us can hope to eliminate the impulses that would drive us To destruction, but we have to become mature enough and have enough reverence for who we are as people and enough love for ourselves to be able to notice those impulses mindfully, not judge ourselves as bad people for having them. And while we admit them to ourselves and we allow ourselves to acknowledge them, we act in spite of them. So you might have thoughts that would lead you down a path of totally sabotaging whatever efforts you're striving to make. We all have that part of ourselves. We never get rid of that part of ourselves. The work is learning how to acknowledge that part of yourself as a very vital, critical aspect of who you are as a person, not trying to eliminate it, but rather embrace it, because there's always a positive side to even the shadow aspects of who we are as people. So what you want to notice when you hear all these negative messages coming up is they likely didn't originate from you, but now they are in you. Now they are your voice. And so you can make a choice. You can make a choice to recognize that these are things that you picked up. They are not organic to you. You know, they're, they're limiting beliefs that were positive to you for a variety of reasons. It's not all that important that you understand why or, or necessarily even who gave them to you. What's important is that you notice they're there and that they're completely and utterly irrational and they're limiting.
0: The Guild is maximum lawyers community of lawyer entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you will build relationships, be held accountable and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country four times per year. And in 2023, we've added a half-day workshop to each mastermind where you'll learn new skills while working on improving systems and aspects of your personal firm. Then take the hot seat on day two and work through your most pressing challenge. It's all inside the Guild. To learn more, visit maxlawguild.com.
1: You're listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Our guest today, Charles D'Angelo, weight loss coach and personal trainer—not personal. Let me let me say that again. you can I, say
3: whatever you want. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Charles helps people fix their shit. I'll say that, including me. And Charles Charles has helped me lose seventy five pounds in the last four or five months. And I I want Charles to say that you're a fair coach and a tough coach. And there are times where I say things to Charles that I believe to be true. It might be some of those self-limiting beliefs that Tyson was mentioning. And you'll sit there and look at me and you don't say anything right away. You process it. And then you, you often say things like, is that true? Or I'm not sure about that. Or you restate or reframe what I'm saying from a coaching standpoint. Mm -hmm. What's your philosophy as far as that interaction that you have with people like me when they are saying things that might be a little bit kooky, as you said?
3: I don't think anything that you've ever said to me, Jim, or anything that any client says to me is kooky, first off. I think that it's really important that we give ourselves an opportunity with someone that we trust, someone that we believe is objective, someone we believe uh, and have experience to reinforce a belief who's non-judgmental, who's there uh, in an effort to serve the healthy part of ourselves that we let ourselves hear what we're actually thinking. I think that's critical. You know, it's been often said, sanity is best outsourced. We all can get into our heads very easily. So it's important to have someone that you soundboard with, whether it's a coach, whether it's a therapist, whether it's your spouse at times, someone that you can just process what it is you're thinking. And often what happens, and, and frankly, the most effective method of change is when a person comes to realize themselves, the irrationality of whatever it is they've been telling themselves. So Charles, I have an
2: in the weeds question. Um, I'll acknowledge that. So I like things like this, like this blood pressure cuff, like my watch. I've been doing like some, some uh, zone two training with my watch. I I like doing that stuff. Are there some cool tools that you might recommend for
3: people to uh, help them with their health and their fitness? I think that the most effective thing is a good relationship with someone who's going to keep you honest and keep you accountable. You know, technology, the way that you just described, offers all sorts of different gadgets, different gizmos that we can get into. And we can really, uh, for many people, it kind of blows their hair back. They love it. For other people, it's really unhelpful because it puts the accent on the wrong thing. In other words, it puts the accent on the outcome rather than the process. And so if a person's constantly monitoring for example, the weight on the scale, they're stepping on the scale every day. Well, there's going to be many days where the weight isn't for any particular reason going the direction they should expect it to because the body is a living organism. It, it doesn't work in a linear path that way. And if you're evaluating yourself and you're, and you're evaluating your worth and you're evaluating your success via one metric, I think you're setting yourself up for a lot of unnecessary frustration. So I think the best idea is to have a relationship with someone who can help you process what it is you're measuring, who can help you stay apprised of all the different aspects of your life that, while one aspect might be trailing behind for any number of reasons, helps remind you of all the other things that you're moving toward and that you're making wonderful strides with independent of that one area that might be limited.
1: Charles, we mentioned in the intro that you worked with Tom Arnold via Zoom, and I know that you've actually helped some maximum lawyers via Zoom. Can you just talk real quickly how that works and then let people know how they can get a hold of you?
3: Yeah. So a person just needs to go to my website, charlesd'angelo.com. Anyone you read about, listen to, watch, whether they're an actor, whether they're an attorney, whether they're a teenager, every single person works with me one-on-one. So the first step is just having the courage to give yourself a chance to actually talk about what's on your mind. And we sit down for 15, 20 minutes and determine whether or not it's an appropriate fit. If we agree that it is, we'll determine the length of time. And I see people both in person here in St. Louis, but I have clients all over the world as far as Australia and Greece. And I have found that people have just as much success in a different room, breathing different air as those that are sitting in my office.
2: I love it. All right. We are going to wrap things up uh, because I know Jim's got a live show that you all are going to go over to and do that. Before I do, I want to remind everyone to uh, join us in the big Facebook group. We're going live there right now and into the Guild. So if you want to uh, join us, there, there's a lot of great information being shared on a daily basis. And if you want a more high-level conversation, join us in the Guild. Go to maxlawguild.com. And while you listen to the rest of this episode, if you don't mind leaving us a five-star review, wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it because it helps spread the love. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to listen to this episode because it impacts a lot of people. So that would be wonderful. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week?
1: My hack of the week comes from Charles, and that is sweat, sweat. So I start every day on the treadmill Charles either is increasing the pitch or the speed or the distance and there's no substitute to just that sweating for 45 minutes and I mean I got off today and I was I was dripping in sweat so it's a game changer to get those toxins and the water out of your body it just really has helped my whole mentality and everything else starts with that that 5 a.m on the treadmill
3: it's something that you it's something that you're putting ahead of everything else so unconsciously you're telling yourself you're a priority right when you get out of bed.
1: I love that. That's
2: good stuff. My trainer recommends it. And he like, they have a sauna and he, he always says I should get the sauna. Like real quick, Charles, thumbs up or Charles. down on saunas? Good or go You bed. know,
3: my best friend, my best friend swears by doing what he calls contrast sessions, which is he gets in a sauna and is in there for 10 or 15 minutes and then has a cold shower and then gets in the sauna again and has a cold shower again. And he swears that it's been life changing for him. So I'm a very pragmatic person. I'd say, Tyson, if it seems to be helping you, keep with it. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> really good stuff. All right, Charles, we always ask our guests to give a tip or a hack of the week. Uh, what you got for us? I would say the most important thing a person can do is take some time after listening to this and take out a piece of paper and take out a pen and relentlessly start to just flow and put out all the things that you'd like to see happen in your life the next, I'd say, 10 years. And don't limit yourself. You know, how would you like your health to look? How would you like your relationships to work? Maybe you want a relationship. Maybe you're not even in a relationship and you've always wanted one, but you didn't think it was possible. Maybe your parents were divorced and you thought relationships always are painful and end in such a way. Uh, maybe you want to have a bigger home. Maybe you want more financial security. Maybe you want to take what it is that you feel passionate about and spread it to the world. Maybe it's, you, want to, you want to take your message to someone of influence, whatever it is. But the whole point is Write it, given this time of year, write it with the spirit of writing a Christmas list. You know, when you're a little kid, you don't limit what you're willing to put on your Christmas list. You'll put whatever it is. You know, you want a pony, you want two ponies, whatever. You don't think, is it possible or not? And write that all down. And then after you've really exhausted yourself by writing all that down, go through and put next to each item the number of years you think it would take you to achieve it. So would it be a one-year goal? Would it be a three-year goal? Would it be a five-year goal? Would it be a 10-year goal? And go through and do that. And then segment it all out. And once you do that, you've created and taken the first step of a vision for yourself that you can start to work toward. I think so many people are going through life without a specific aim. And if you start to define your aims, you're going to find that your brain will sort reality in such a way to move you in the direction of the thing you're focused on. The key is having a well-defined focus. And I'd also encourage people to feed their minds as much as you guys both do and I do, you know, reading is a lost art. You know, there are people who've spent their life being successful and being wonderful, wonderful contributors to society. And they've synthesized everything into a book that you can buy or get for free at the library. So I would say start reading, you know, if there's someone you really admire and someone you really aspire to be like, you can have a a conversation with them in a sense. By reading their work, those two things would be wonderful steps in moving towards a brighter future. I love it. Really good stuff. Uh, great advice. For
2: my tip of the week, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my watch for a second. So cover your ears for a second, Charles. And and, and in the interest of, of health, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a tip for when it comes to health. So I've been kind of getting into this zone two training lately, and so it's really interesting to me. But I stumbled whenever I was going on for a run a, a few nights ago. I noticed that on the Apple Watch when in the in the fitness app. You can actually turn your dial whenever um, you're running and it shows you what zone you're in whenever you're running. And it's really cool. So it allowed me to stay in zone two. Now, are there some glitches and some flaws? In it? Yeah, it's, it's not as great as one that you'd wear on your chest, but still good enough. And I really like it. So if, if you're into running and if you want to do some zone two training, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, so I highly recommend it. So very good stuff. Charles, thank you so much for coming on. This has been really, really good. Thank you for uh, working with Jimmy. He's been a lot healthier, a lot a lot happier, I've noticed. And so helping out. thanks for helping out my friend. I'll say just uh, that it's, it's been a huge Aww. boost to him. So I, I really appreciate it.
3: You're welcome. My pleasure, guys. Thanks, guys.
1: See you guys. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.